You know, there's something of fear. We as his people, I felt that that word is for us, that we're not to fear. We're to know Jesus is coming back and he's sovereign. But actually, it's the fear of God that leads people to the beginning of wisdom, to bow in their knee. I don't believe that we can ask the Lord not to place, to protect the world from fear. Because people who are dying without Jesus have everything to fear. Because they're going to spend an eternity without Him. And it's not going to look pretty. In fact, the war is the best experience that they'll ever have if they die without Jesus. But for us as His people, we're not afraid. Because this is the signs that our Savior is coming back. So I want to say, are we ready for Him? Church. Not only church, are you ready for Him? Individual. So I want to preach a message this morning. I'm going to start my time now. And the message that I'm going to share this morning is called a health check. So how many of you struggled to get to church this morning because of roadblocks, enclosures? Okay. We had the incredible privilege of actually driving through gardens and, and watching some of the runners run. And it's amazing. My wife, who was an ex-triathlete, um, was pointing out, like, they're all going kind of the same speed, but they're some hoax, and they just like, it looks like they're on rollerblades. They some hoaxes who run like me, they kind of stamp more like a camel, you know. And, uh, but they're all going in the same direction. And there's different running styles. People are running the same race, but uh, it's unique, their running style. And if any of you have ever done a long-distance race, has anyone done one? I've, I knew long-distance races I've really done, or cycling races, so I'll try and speak a bit on that. But you know that these guys have prepared. They've prepared for this race. They've got the right kit on. They've trained, but now they're running. And so you see some guys, you see water stands popping up all over the show. And some guys stopping at water stands and going, yes, I need a drink of water. Other guys reaching, I remember when we used to cycle, reaching into your back, getting out a goo, ripping it open and putting some more glucose into your body so that you could finish the race well. And every single runner that's running out today at some point in the run is taking stock of how do I feel because some of them, they're going, I've got energy in the tank. I'm going to push a little bit harder. And some of them are going, I need to slow down a bit because I need to finish this race. How similar is that to us? The Bible has so much language about running a race. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is speaking and he says, Don't you know that all the runners in a stadium run? Run as if to win the prize. We're all running a race. Metaphorically, we actually, we've begun a race with Jesus. We've begun a journey with Him. And like the runners that are on the race today, we need to, at some point, we can get so busy with our eyes focused on the race and just running that we actually don't take stock of where am I? How is my race going at the moment? So we're going to have a look at that this morning. We can put up the scripture from 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. This is Paul writing at the end of his life to someone that he considered a son, to Timothy. And Paul is exhorting him. He knows his life is coming to the end. And he looks at Timothy and he says, Timothy, I want you to finish this race. And he says, hi, this is Paul speaking, I fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, Paul recognized that it wasn't a moment in time, that the journey that we go on with Jesus is a long-term journey, but it is one that needs to be started, and it is one that needs to be finished. And the language that he's using there is not, this is a breeze. This is like driving down the garden route where it's just scenic and it's easy. The language that he uses is, fight. It's contention. You're in the ring. You're taking blows. You're getting hit. Sometimes you might be on your back. It's hard. This Christian walk is tough. He says, I've finished the race. He says, I've endured. I kept going. You know, if, you, if the runners, the one thing that you never do in a race is you never stop. Why? Because your muscles will cease. That will be the end of your race. If you stop, you will die. He says, I've kept the race. I've kept going. Now, Timothy, you keep going. And he said, I've kept the faith. I've gone all the way to the finish line. When we were driving, we saw one of the markers that said 32 kilometers. So the runners had nine kilometers to go. Let me ask you a scary question. Where does your race end? It might end in this meeting. You could have a heart attack right now and be taken. It might end when you leave this place. It might end in 40 years from now. It's the same question. Are you going to finish your race well? How are you doing on the run? You know, in 2008 or 9, I was given a road bike and I started road cycling. And I was meant to do a race called the Double Century. It's 200 kilometers. I wasn't ready for that one. But the next year in 2010, I entered the Argus and I went back last week and I checked what my finishing time was. And the gent had given me the bike. Actually, I trained, I trained with him and his team, the investment company, and um, I cycled with them. But because... Um, because if I'd, it was my first August, I would have come in way at the back. And these guys somehow got me a ticket into the, at that point it was the F group, which was, it was quite far forward. And I cycled in this peloton. And you sit and you watch the person's butt in front of you and you just go. And you sit and you draft and you run this race together. Watching the butt. <laughs> you hope it's a nice butt. <laughs> it doesn't really matter as long as you finish the race. <laughs> Give me any butt. And you sit in and you, and you race. And I, that year I, did a, a, I was riding with a group and I did a 3.25. It's not a bad time. And because of that time, I finished, I think, 23rd in a group of 488 in the F group. So I'd actually pulled a little bit forward. The next year they put me into the B group. Now the B group was partially professional. It's a good one. Thank you. It's partially professional. But that year, arrogance entered my heart and I thought... I'm not going to ride with the group anymore. I want to prove that I'm better than anyone else. So in the August, what's, what's considered a good time is a sub-three hour. So you get on your bike and you start training. Uh, I did a 110k ride the day I had my bachelor's. I was fit at the time, very fit. And I remember that march we got on, and it was a windy march, and I was cycling in the group. But one of the things was I didn't take stock of my ride as I was going along. And at about 40 k's in, now I'm pushing with the faster group than I've ever ridden with in my life. But now I'm arrogant as well, so I'm at the front and I'm pulling. I'm not drafting behind, I'm not slipstreaming. And what happened after about 40 k's is I started to feel my, my one quad go a little bit tight. And I was like, yeah, what is going on? 
okay, I'm just going to push through. I've never, never struggled with cramps. I've never struggled with endurance. I'm going to kill this thing, and ne the next year I'm going pro. And at 70 kilometers, at an average speed, this was at, after Misty Cliffs, at an average speed for 70 k's, or 40 k's an hour, including hills, I was on track for a 250, which is an insane Argus. My quad cramped up so badly, the whole muscle pulled to the side of my leg, I could literally see my femur, the bone. I could see the bone running up my leg. And in tears, I came off my bike, I dropped out of the peloton, and, um, and I threw my bike down in frustration. I thought, this is it. I'm disqualified, I'm not going to finish. I finished the race cycling with my left leg, which was now also cramping, and my left arm. So I was cycling the whole way like this. I got off my bike, 15-minute leg massage, where they killed you, they scrape ice on you, and I walked up Seikabosi, and I finished in a 325. But I'd been off my bike for 25 minutes. I would have done a 250. But you know what my problem was? I never took stock. If I had stopped or asked the cyclist next to me, give me a grandpa or an Eno, I never would have cramped and I would have finished with the peloton. This can happen. Andrew preached, I don't know if, you, if you've been watching the, um, the 412 videos at the moment on the apostolic, and one of the, one of the stories that he tells is the story of Arnold, and I get a message immediately from Neil laughing at me like I'm going to preach in jeans. Why? Because... This bro skipped leg day his whole life. And so one of the things that Andrew said that the apostolic does is he doesn't look at your strength. He didn't look at Arnold's torso. Arnold was producing fruit. What does that mean? There were results from the work that he placed in his life. But it was his legs that were his weakness. And so in order to produce more fruit, I'm using Christianese now, he had to work on the weak area in his life. And so the apostolic comes into a church, and they don't look how good your worship is. They look how good your ministry is. If your ministry is good, then they look at how good your serving is, that kind of thing. So you look, you're always looking for the thing that can make you better, can make you the Mr. Olympia of churches. But as the apostolic looks into the church, what about your life? Because the Bible says that you and I are living stones. That means that your health, as we're built together, affects our health as a corporate. So I want to ask, how are you doing this morning? Not how's the church doing, how's your health doing this morning? Are you healthy? Are you running your race? Do you need to slow down? Have a little water break. Don't stop. Slow down, have a water break. Can you push harder? Do you need to get in a, a goo from someone or a banana or whatever? There's people around you that can support you. How's your race going? So this, is, this morning is a health check. You know, the problem with a health check is um, there's two different kinds that you can do. The one is when you know something's wrong. I know I've got compressed discs. I don't know how bad they are. I'm going to see a neurosurgeon tomorrow. I'll get scans again, and then he'll tell me what to do. I know what's wrong. You know, you're on a long run, and you cough, and your chest is very tight. You know that there's something wrong. But sometimes you do a health check, and you think that you're doing really well. And you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, like what happened to me when I went to the um, dermatologist. I went for a general checkup, and he said, that's cancer. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. But we all, we all have medical aid and we all go for general checkups. 
We're meant to go to the dentist every 25 years and uh, to a GP every now and again. And when you've got a kid as a pediatrician, it's every six months, I think it is. And so we all go for these general checkups. How many of you are aware of something in your life that's wrong spiritually? How many of you are unaware but there could be something? And we hate going for health checkups. Why? It's so hard to hear that there's something in you. But spiritually, let me tell you, every single one of you has got something going on in you at the moment. You might be aware of it. You might be unaware of it. We recently had a, a moment where God was doing something. There was stiffness in, in um, our lives. And we had doctors sit down with us, Neil and Taryn, call stuff out. Man, you must know, when you get that diagnosis, everything in you backpedals and kicks and goes, I don't want this. I don't want to know I'm unhealthy. You start to make excuses. You start to just try and push it under the rug. No, you're in the wrong, not me. But God's working and he's pruning. Because in John 15, it says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, if you don't produce fruit, I'll cut you out. He says, but if you do produce fruit, I will prune you that you produce more fruit. Arnold Schwarzenegger, strong. I want to prune you to produce more fruit. Let's work on the weakness. So this morning, we're going to do a health tech. And I'm going to show you how we do this. Here's the good news. Every one of us, if we're honest and we allow the Holy Spirit to minister, God will convict every single one of you on something. I love... If people love the Holy Spirit for the power and the signs. You know what the greatest thing I, I love about the Holy Spirit? Is he brings conviction that leads to repentance. And in doing that, it makes me look more like Jesus. I don't want to look like Jesus in terms of signs and miracles. I don't. I want to look like him in terms of holiness. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And so he's here this morning, and he'll show you how healthy you are. Let's put up 1 John 1, just so we're all in the same boat. It says this, 1 John 1, verse 8 to 10, and this is written to believers. This is not written to unbelievers. If we claim to be without sin, sin being a shortfall of God's perfect standard for your life, are you working in, walking in perfection? No, you aren't. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So you cannot sit here this morning and say, I've got it all together. If you say that, you're self-righteous. If you say that, you have no more need for Jesus. If we confess our sins, that means we're aware of something and we say, Lord, I've fallen short. I want to turn away from that thing and trust in you to heal me and to restore me. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. The good news is that this physician is able to heal everything in your life. But you need to become aware of it and repent of it. And purify us from all unrighteousness. There's one more there, isn't there? If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. There's still stuff. Whether you, when you get saved, God cleanses you, and he makes you righteous, and he imputes all that stuff on you, and he makes you holy in his sight, but he's still working stuff in you. You're not done. He's not finished with you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. And let me say one more thing is, you can be doing good stuff, ministry, you can be busy with God's stuff. Sometimes that stuff is the very stuff, you're so focused on the ministry and on God's stuff, 
that actually stops you from taking stock and going, where am I actually at? You're running so hard. You're, you're doing so many good works that you haven't sat down and said, Jesus, come and inspect me. Know me. In Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Even your anxious thoughts are a sin for God. It's falling short. Because he says, trust me. Cast your burdens onto me. He says, see if there's any, any offensive way in me. That means anything that falls short of God's standard. And lead me in the way everlasting. And in Luke 5, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The moment you come into a place of full health, you do not need a doctor. And Jesus is saying, I'm the doctor. And he's constantly going to be working on the time when you look like, you will only ever not need Jesus when you look like him. And you will only look like him and know him when you get into eternity. Until that point, he's going to work on you. There's stuff in each one of us this morning that Jesus wants to work on and bring into a place of health. I love the story in, in John 13 where, where um, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and Peter says, no, don't wash my feet. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Everyone who's heard the word is already clean. They've had a bath. But I need to still wash your feet. You might be clean this morning, but Jesus still wants to wash your feet. Okay, so the symptoms of a health test. Sometimes the symptoms are very obvious. Burning chest feeling, maybe an itchy nose, maybe your muscles are getting a bit tight. Okay, we're to take stock of these things. There's something in you, there's a fruit, there's something that's happening that will show you that there's something that's wrong. Okay, let's put up Luke 6. Before we put up Luke 6, let's just pray together. Oh, Lord, we, we love you, Jesus. We love you. We love the fact that you've invited us into this journey with you. That in a moment we went from death to life. We stepped out of darkness and into light. We love the fact, Jesus, that you went to the Father and you sent the Holy Spirit to finish the work that you started in making us look like you, to be righteous like you, to be holy like you. We love the fact, Jesus, that you want to prune us, that we would bear much fruit for the Father's glory. And we want to be like the psalmist this morning. Say, search us, Lord. Know us. Come, Lord, and move in this place. Let this not be a preach that convicts, but let it be the living truth. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves to you this morning, myself included, that if there's something in me that offends you, that you would highlight it, that I can come and have you wash my feet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's go to Luke 6. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things 
of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. The first t- test I want to give you is works. Works. And what I'm not talking about now is works unto salvation, works that, things that make you righteous. I'm talking about things that you do, behavioral patterns, lifestyle choices, things that you think about. Okay, not acts of righteousness, works of righteousness. You know, Jesus even recognized the value of works in, in, um, in confirming something. He says, the Father's testified about me. I know I'm the Father's son. I, can, I told you, I can tell you that. And the Father's testified about me. He says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. But he says, but I have greater testimony than John's. Because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. These very works, the things that Jesus did, testify about me that the Father has sent me. So he's saying, if you don't believe my testimony, what's coming out of my mouth, you don't even believe the Father's voice, believe the things that I'm doing. The fruit of my life shows you that I'm the Son of God. John says, like, who are you? He says, Tell them that I'm opening the eyes of the blind, that the dead are being raised to life. These are the things that show that I am the Messiah that was to come. Look at my life. Look at the fruit. So what's the fruit on our, in our lives? John says to them, when um, the Pharisees are coming to be, um, to be baptized, he says, you brood of vipers. He says, produce fruit. in keeping with repentance. You see, the fruit of our lives really shows us who we really are because it's out of our heart that the fruit comes, the words come. So if we look at our lives and the things that we do and the symptoms of our lives, we can tell what's really in our hearts. And sometimes it's hard to see that stuff. You know where you fall short. You know it. But you just get busy. You push it aside. It's not that bad. But that cramp will lead to proper, and it can even disqualify you. So let's take the time this morning to identify things in our lives that Jesus needs to work on, because he's the doctor. Okay, so let me give you a couple of examples. My first question I ask is, what do you find comfort in? Let's say you've had a hard day at the office, or it's just been rough. Life is rough. There's stuff going on in the world. Finances are crumbling, relationships are crumbling, and you're longing for comfort. Jesus says, come to me, all you heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will comfort you. 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church, he says, God of all comfort will comfort you, that you can comfort others. But many of us turn to other things instead of comfort. The very obvious ones, alcohol. A tough day at the office, take the edge off. I'm not saying alcohol is bad, but if your reason for drinking alcohol is to take the edge off instead of going to Jesus, you've missed it. And it can become the one soft alcohol, the glass of red wine, is not a problem. But when every time you have a tough situation, you crack open a beer or a bottle of wine, ah, there's a pattern in your life. What about food? Who comfort eats? Don't put up your hands. People comfort eat. Sugar. Get that little rush, you know. 
People comfort eat. They turn to food. They don't turn to Jesus. It's a problem. What about movies or video games? You escape into this fantasy world to escape reality. It becomes a pattern. Jesus wants to fix that thing. You can't deal with reality, so you escape. Watch series on end. Wasting your time. Not against movies. Not against series. Not against video games. But if that's your place of comfort, if that's your escape, man, you're broken. You're saved, but you're broken. Jesus wants to come into that place. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Failed relationships. It's tough, man. I just need to feel good about myself. I'm just going to satisfy myself, my needs, but I'm going to do it in an ungodly way. As long as my needs are satisfied, I just got to feel comforted. Man, we're missing it. What is your response to when someone offends you? The normal thing, taxi. Flip them the bird. I've done it. I won't do it if Neil's sitting next to me in the car. I promise you that. But I've done it. I get like, like this thing rises up and you feel like you just need to let it out. Someone offends you. What if the government makes a bad decision and they, they offend you in their decision? I wouldn't have done it like that. You've just come under, you've judged them. The Bible says you'll be judged by the same standard. Who made you judge? God's the judge. Morris's message on authority. Honor the government. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? It says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You idiot, you fool. You wronged me. Ah, if you call someone a fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell. We've got to be real about this stuff, eh? We're talking Bible talk now, Bible language. These are the things the Bible says, not what I'm saying. I'm as challenged by it as anyone. When someone offends you, do you forgive them? Or do you fantasize about the revenge? Man, I can think of stuff in my life. Court cases, being wronged. What about when someone corrects you? Neil and Taryn, sit down with us. Correct me. Everything in me goes, they don't know. They don't understand. They don't know what I'm going through. It's my flesh. That's my brokenness. That's my behavior kicking up, not them. They love me. In fact, when they say, spoke to me, they said, if there's one thing that we can challenge to see you run at the moment, to see you run into the greater things of God, it's this. And I'm like, no, man. Don't talk to me like that. Do you know who I am? I'm second. <laughs> Do you know who I'm married to? No, I'm just kidding. Your finances. When uh, the soldiers come to John, what is it that he challenges them on? He says, be grateful with your pay. Are you grateful with your pay? Are you constantly looking at the things that you don't have? Ungratitude. God says, if you have food and clothing, that is sufficient. Paul says, I've been content with a little and much. I'm going to change jobs because I want more. Or maybe you look at someone else who's in a better job than you or getting more financially blessed. Not a better job. They've been more financially blessed. And you judge them. I wouldn't spend my money like that. We all do it. We do it. If I had that much money, I wouldn't do that. You're, it's just because you're ungrateful. Because there's someone with less money than you who could say the same thing about you. Can't believe you bought that pair of jeans for a thousand rand. We're not to come under judgment with other people. We're to be grateful for the finances and the place and the position that God has saved us into. I'm not saying don't earn more money. I'm not saying more money is a bad thing. I'm just saying what is your heart attitude towards that stuff? 
What about your thoughts? What about your thoughts? Man, that's the scariest place. This little war field, battlefield up here. Because we can all come on a Sunday and act all holy, but it's when you're sitting in your room or you're on your own and you're starting to fantasize about things or think about such things or hold things against that person or build up a case against the government or what's your thought patterns look like? Are your thoughts, take, do you take them captive to Jesus? Is your mind in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Yes or no? We've got to be honest and go, no. In many areas, it's not. Philippians 4 verse 8. Does, does this scripture represent you 100%? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Convicted. And I, I heard a story once. Neil, I'm going to go two minutes, three minutes over. I heard a story once, and it says, if someone has to look at your life and you never preach the gospel to them, will they know you're a Christian? Would a court convict you of salvation, knowing that Jesus is your Savior? Because when they see you, they see Jesus. Oh. Not guilty. Two, the second thing, and this is the second test I'm going to go. We're going to do it. It's going to be much shorter. Matthew 12, verse 35 to 37. We saw there that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in you. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Basically, what it's saying is, what's in here, what your heart is filled with, will come out of here. When that taxi driver swerves in front of you and you shout at him, anger entered your heart. Your heart was filled with anger for that person. You didn't go, bless him, Lord. See, I'm singing. That's good. Because you're angry. It's what's in your heart. So it comes out. What comes out of your mouth? Now, I'm not talking about in that moment. Let's look at a little bit deeper. Gossip. What is gossip? Speaking about someone else on facts that probably haven't been verified at no care if it's going to damage the other person. We love gossip. There's a series, what's it called? Gossip Girl. We love gossip because somehow it's news. Did you know I have this news? As soon as you do that, and it's not for the benefit of the person. In fact, don't talk about other people. Honestly, unless you're willing to die for that person. If I, if I have something and I want to say, Neil, is it, this, uh, Neil, I'll first take it to him. I won't tell anyone else. I'll first take it to him. And in that moment, I must be willing to wash his feet. Because Jesus said, now that you have seen me do it, as he's washing his disciples' feet, do it for one another. But we just talk. Ah, did you hear? Neil, We've just come in the judgment of him, and the Lord says you'll be judged the same way. And trust me, Neil's probably doing better than me. I better not judge him. What about slander? You say things like, the church doesn't love me, it doesn't care about me. Oh, poor little me, you know, because the church exists for my glory and my love. And because you perceive that people don't love you, you slander the church. 
oh, you've just become Saul. And Jesus will appear to you on the road to Damascus and say, why are you touching me? You're touching my church. Let's be careful with the words. We'll have to give an account with every word we've spoken. That means when I'm angry with my wife and my words come out, one day before Jesus, you'll say, that didn't represent me well. <sighs> Guys, we need the doctor. Crude jokes. Obscene and foolish talk, Ephesians 5 verse 4. Or crude joking are not suitable. What do your jokes consist of? What's funny to you? It comes out of your mouth. Man, this is testing stuff. Arrogance or boasting. Did you hear? I got a promotion. I got a lot of money right now. Oh, you're arrogant. <laughs> Pride's just coming out of your heart. It's just, you, it's coming out here. You know? Bragging. Maybe what's coming out of your mouth is stories that instill fear. How many of you know people, it's propaganda theory, the 5G, the Bill Gates, end of the world. And all that you're doing is you're actually not building faith. You're instilling fear in people. Fear's coming out of your mouth. Man, you've just moved from a person of faith to a person of fear. Jesus is coming back. I see war in Israel. Jesus is coming back soon. That's what I want to say. That's my, that becomes my message. Not, I don't want to get killed by the war. My message must become, Jesus is coming. Let's get ready. Ungratefulness. Do you always, when you speak into people, oh, I want this, I want that, I want that. Or do you say, God has blessed me so much. He's given me so much. Ungratefulness is coming out from your heart. It's in you. And I've already mentioned about you fool. It says you're subject to the judgment of the fires of hell. Now the tongue is a small thing. James 3 talks about it and he says, it is, has the ability, like, like a rat on a boat, or like a bit in the mouth of a horse, it's a small fire that has the ability to set the whole forest aflame. It's, it's an evil. So there's things in our life. In Hebrews 12, the, runner saying, the, the writer says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Get rid of it. If it's slowing you down, get rid of it. And the sin that so easily tangles, the sin that literally ties itself around your feet, that now it's like a, you can't get rid of it. You can't run your race well because you've got this chain, this ball and chain attached to you. Get rid of it and run with perseverance. Never stop the race that's marked out for you. And your race is different to mine, but the goal is the same. We're all running towards the same finish line. We just don't know where that finish line really is. It's Jesus that we're running towards. So what's the cure to this? What's the cure? Jesus says, I'm the doctor. It's not, I haven't called the righteous to repentance, but sinners. I must put up my hand and go, Jesus, I, I need you to save me from my sin as much today as you did then. As a child, I just approach him differently now. In Luke 5, verse 31 to 32, it says, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And in John 15, he says, Remain in me. And I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. 
We have to be found in Jesus. He is the only one that can wash your feet this morning. And the message of, of 412 for me personally was Dan Barnard's message where he said, my calling is to serve others, but until Jesus has restored me and washed my feet, I can't serve other people. So Jesus, I believe this morning, is speaking to us and he's saying, slow down this morning. Slow down. Let me speak to you. I'm going to minister to you directly, Jesus. Sometimes the people are people in our lives that call out, people who love us. But the best is when Jesus convicts you. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for. So we're going to take some time this morning. Isaac, you can come up. And we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, even if I believe I'm healthy, show me the areas that you want to work on this morning. I want to finish this race well. You might be unaware of the cramp. It's going to take you out of the race. Ask God to reveal things to you in your heart that could potentially derail you or not help you to run well. That sin that so easily entangles. Maybe you're carrying a backpack this morning. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Same. Remove those things that hinder you. Get light. I think in the old days, you can correct me, they actually ran naked because they didn't want anything to hold them back. They wanted to be as light as possible. So this morning, Jesus is offering to wash your feet. He says, you're already at a bath, but I'm going to wash your feet this morning. Jesus wants to come and serve you this morning. Jesus wants to come and heal you this morning. And he wants to come and restore you this morning. But in order to do that, you have to get real with them. And you say, Jesus, I'm still broken. Come and heal. Make me whole. And he will come straight away. He loves that. But there's one more group of people. And we talked about a race, a race this morning. There's one more group of people. And that's, you know, if that gun fires and you're not wearing, you don't get your number and you don't cross the start line, you aren't even in the race. And what is the race? Well, the race is a journey with Jesus Christ. From the moment that you hear the gospel to the day you meet him finally. And what is the gospel? It's very simple. You're broken. You're sick. There's cancer riddling your entire body. And you're going to die. And that cancer is called sin. And what is sin? Sin is that you don't meet the perfect standard of God's will for your life. And if Jesus doesn't heal you, the penalty of that sin is eternal separation from God in a place with fire and worms where it never ceases. That's not God's destination for you. That's not his goal for you. So what did he do? What is the gospel? He said, you will pay it or I will pay it. And God sends his own son and he pours out his entire wrath on his son who dies on the cross, bears the weight of your sin. And he says, I will become the substitute for you. And if you accept that and you turn from your sin because you recognize that it breaks my father's heart, you come into me and I pay for your sin. 
you'll never see that sin again because sin gets paid for once. And Jesus has paid for your sin. But you have to receive a gift. A gift never opened is a gift not received. That's the gospel. And the moment you accept that and you do that, the gun's gone off and you've entered the race. But now that you're on the race, allow Jesus to come and will run next to you and give you the goo, give you the water, say, slow down, slow down. I just want to fix this. Your shoelace is untied. He'll run next to you. He'll tie, it while, he'll tie it while you're running. But slow down, slow down. It's okay. Or he'll say, let's go a little bit faster. There's more in you. The paracletos will come and he'll run next to you, the Holy Spirit, and say, come, let's push a bit harder. So what we're going to do is this. This is the way we're going to facilitate it. I hope this is okay, Neil. I've asked Isaac to play one song that he's going to sing over you. I don't want you to sing. I want you to find the Lord. Let him sing over you and meditate and ask, Lord, search me and know me. Invite Jesus in. It's not that Jesus doesn't know what's in your heart. It's that he loves to be invited in. Because when you invite somebody in, you invite their perspective into your life. And when you invite him in, he'll be able to say, I want you to work on this. We're going to point out this thing. He already knows it. Trust me, he already knows. So let's invite him in this morning and say, Jesus, come, search me. And then there'll be two songs, I believe, after that song where you can come and respond. I don't care where you find Jesus. You can find him on your knees, on the face, whatever. But allow the Holy Spirit to minister. Be silent. Allow him to minister over you. And then you respond and you minister back to him. And if that was you this morning, and you're just feeling like your heart pounding, or you know, and listen, I'm broken, but I've never met this great physician before. He's like, come this morning. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. You can literally be reborn like this. Have courage. Come and speak to me. I love to pray for you. Love it. And enter into that race with Jesus. Okay. So we're going to go into that reflection song. And if it's you, just come speak to me. I'll be waiting at the front, reflecting, allowing Jesus to minister to me too.